Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Psalm 29, but before we go there, let's let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today and for who you are and for loving us. Thank you for your word that has come down over the years and continues to speak to us and guide us on our way. And Father, I just pray as we read today, as we go through your word and read what, what others have to say, I just pray that we would hear your voice, that our hearts and our minds and our spirits would be open. Open so that we can gain understanding, so that we can learn more about you, love you more, love you with our whole beings, and therefore love our neighbor as ourselves. So, Father, I just thank you for this time. I praise you for it. I pray, Holy Spirit, for you to work amongst us, to guide us, to open our minds and our hearts and our spirits. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I have to say, today has been, has started out, and it's been kind of a depressing morning. And it's not because of anything with work or anything else. It's because it's because of the way I started my day. And yes, I prayed and started my day with prayer and pretty good coffee. But then I went into my Twitter feed and just started scrolling and became very sad. And it was appalling what, what I saw. And as I then started researching and I just had to put it away and seriously, I'm debating getting rid of it. Um, there's just so much negative, terrible stuff. But then, then if I'm living in ignorance, you know, what's, what's to be said about that? So I'm at a crossroads with, with that. I don't want to go to just true or truth and whatnot. Cause then you only see really one point of view. Um, but anyways, with all that said, then I started doing my study and researching a little bit more about today's um, chapter. And there's a number of things that came up. And I just want to start reading the chapter. Let's read Psalm 29. And then I can get into the various scripture or the interpretations and commentary from A.W. Tozer and, Char- and uh, Kent Hughes. Verse 1, chapter 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. I don't understand. The voice, the voice of the Lord strikes with with flashes of lightning. Oops, excuse me, Siri's in the background. Um, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, I'll cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. 
The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. So I really didn't understand this very well. And when I first read it the first time through, and it's like, okay, here, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. So is that like, you know, the angels and the cherubim in heaven? What is going on with this? What's really being said? And then it's like, oh my goodness, here's the power of God with just his voice. And so it's illustrating his, his strength and his, his glory. And then at the end, in, chap, in verse 10 and 11, it's just saying, He sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And having read Revelations in the end times, you know, I started thinking about that. So then I started doing some research and looking at what did A.W. Tozer choose to focus on? And it tied in a lot with what I was seeing on Twitter slash X. And so A.W. Tozer focused on verse two, where it says, ascribe to the Lord, the glory do his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. He writes, it's not possible for anything bad to be beautiful. The scripture says that we're to worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. It is possible for an unholy thing to be pretty or attractive, even charming, but it's not possible for it to be beautiful. Only that which is holy can be beautiful ultimately. Worship the Lord, says the scripture, in the splendor of his holiness. That's no casual remark, no casual relation of word to word. The beauty of holiness and the perfection of beauty and the fact that only God is perfect, they all fit together. They all fit in together beautifully and drop into place. For God is beautiful beyond all description. How beautiful the sight of God must be, says the hymn, and how utterly ugly the sight of hell must be. So I think about what I've been looking at on Twitter, and it's appalling, and it really probably is some insights into what hell is like. You have everything from men dressing up as women, um, murders, you know, people videotaping. It's, It's amazing to me that people videotape and post people getting shot and killed or run over. It just is heartbreaking. But truly, that has to be similar to what is going on in hell. And it's just the complete and total absence of God. And then, so then I start thinking about, well, what's beautiful then in that context? And what really is? Well, beautiful is Jesus on the cross. Even though it's a horrible scene and there's lots of blood and gore, Jesus on the cross is insanely holy. And it's not the image of him there. It's the act of salvation, of sacrifice. So then what else is beautiful? Well, marriage. Marriage is beautiful when it's dedicated to God. When we add our own perversions into it, and when we add our own angers into it and our own selfishness, then it's not so beautiful and holy. Then it's really just selfish. But when we focus on living for God and having a marriage and a family for God, then that's beautiful. That truly is beautiful. But again, when it's not, 
then it's definitely not a beautiful thing. So it really comes down to what is holy and are is it serving God? Are you serving God? Am I if I look at it and I say, What's beautiful? Mother Teresa, even though she was dealing with the worst of the worst considered, you know, the, the lepers, it was a beautiful act because it was so holy. She was telling them about God and that God loved them, even when society didn't. So that's just out of that first couple of verses. So then I started thinking about, well, what else is the rest of that sermon or that, that I'm sorry, sermon, um, chapter about? And I went to Kent Hughes and started reading about that. And it's actually totally different. And it's really interesting. So I just thought I'd share it and read to you what he has to say. Psalm 29 describe, describes the power of God like a raging storm. Charles Spurgeon writes, The psalm is meant to express the glory of God as heard in the pealing thunder and seen in a tornado. The verses march, march to the tune of thunderbolts. God reveals his majesty, power, and glory in the furious wind, pelting rain, blinding flashes of lightning, and deafening thunder of a violent tempest. Frankly, this picture of God's power is disturbing. Actually, it was to me. Why would David compare the voice of God to a violent and destructive storm? The fact is, the God we serve is not a tame God, a God we can lead around on a leash. He's not a puny God. Rather, the God of glory thunders. Even our, in our modern world, we fear the power of a storm. That visceral fear helps us to learn the power of God or the fear of God. Notice the context. Immediately before this, Psalm 28.8 says, The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. In spite of this, Israel was tempted to worship other gods and to look for strength in the idols that their neighbors worshipped. Psalm 29 was a wake-up call, a reminder that the Lord, the God of Israel, is the one true and mighty God. This God whose voice breaks the cedars is your strength. This mighty God saves and protects the coming Messiah, the Anointed One. So following immediately after Psalm 28 and 20... uh, So following immediately after Psalm 28, Psalm 29 taught Israel to trust in God alone and to hope in Christ. So as I'm reading through that, I have to really think about it. And yes, God is, this is a very powerful God who with his voice, and then I think back on Revelation at the end, when all the armies of the world line up to fight God and he destroys them in basically the blink of an eye. So when I'm worried about where I fit in the end times, when I'm worried about how my life will be and my family's life will be when things are going so sideways in our world, I can rest assured that God has it under control. He is mighty and powerful just as voice destroy, can destroy the enemy, his enemies. And as his child, his enemies are my enemies and my enemies are his. So I can rest in his strength knowing that he cares and loves me, loves me greatly. He knows the hairs on my head. So it's with that that I can have some peace and comfort in a world 
that is totally going sideways. So with that, let's let's go back to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your your peace. Thank you for your strength. And thank you for loving us. It's amazing to know that I can call you Abba Father, and yet you're so powerful and strong, you created the world. You spoke it into being. I don't know how that all works, but it's amazing that I can say, Abba Father. So Lord, I lift up this day to you, and I just pray that I would bring you honor and glory. I know I don't have much ability to do that, but I just pray that I would be submissive to your will and that I would do your will. I pray, Lord, for you to guide guide me, and may I bring you some joy. I pray for my family, my friends. I pray for your Holy Spirit to be around them. I pray for your angels to be about them and keeping them from harm. And I pray for this nation that we would understand what it means to be your children and that we would turn back to you, that this perversion, this demonic, satanic attack that is happening to our land would be turned back, that revival would break out and that you would be the one we seek, that you would be the one that the United States lives for and supports. I just pray for your hand to be upon us. I pray for your hand to be upon this nation. I pray for our leaders to lose their satanic impact and manipulation, that those who love you would be strong. I pray for your hand to be upon this, this country and this world. Because in reality, Satan, you don't own this land. You don't own this world. You're simply allowed to be here at God's grace and his decision. So, Father, I just pray for those that we love and those that we care about. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.